Okay, we're recording. Hi, everyone. Today, we are rounding out our retirement discussion. I have Jen and Nick back on the podcast again. We're going to be talking about the impact of taking a retirement loan today. So, um, hi, Jen. Hi, Nick. I feel like a broken record saying that since this is the third time that you guys have been here. Right. You guys keep inviting me back. I have no idea why. <laughs> For our listeners, Nick just spilled coffee everywhere, so it took us a minute to get going. <laughs> yeah, luckily this is not on camera. It's a podcast. Otherwise, the, the front of my pants is covered in, I think, whatever type of coffee we were drinking. So. Oh, my hopefully gosh. There's, yeah, hopefully there's no third-degree burns or anything. But, uh, oh. <laughs> But um, you're smiling. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think the one thing, okay. right? And, and I'll give for for our previous listeners, I'll give an update on my Peloton. It's still <laughs> going strong. So I think I'm up to, I think it's like 35 rides now. Um, and apparently, That's pretty good. And, and I don't, I don't know if this is true or not. I, I need to do some more research. Apparently, you do 100 rides. And they send you from like you know some free shirts or free gear from Peloton. So I think that's going to be kind of my uh, my crossroads. I'm taking to 100 and I get a free shirt, then I'll feel accomplished. And then I'm going to be thinking, <laughs> okay, well, what's next? <laughs> I need something else to put towards. <laughs> so, You're going to wear that shirt and cry it everywhere. Oh, I'm going to wear that shirt every day. <laughs> <laughs> I would too. You've earned it. That's if you get to a hundred rides, that is really impressive. But thirty-five uh, is amazing. Love so it. So they give they'll give shout outs to people like while you're in class if you're doing a live class. There's some people that have like three thousand rides. I'm like, where how do you do this? Like what do you mean? Like are you going yeah. four or five times a day? Like, good lord. Yeah. <laughs> So. Yeah, you have to start doing the math and like when was Peloton invented and how many I, you know that they must have been an early adopter. <laughs> I think they, they you can basically do like five minute warm ups and like ten minute cool downs. I think that counts. And I typically just don't even care because after I do one like thirty minute class, I hop off the bike and I lay on the floor for a couple minutes. That's four <laughs> But maybe that's how they're getting up there. But they give a couple of shouts for people doing, you know, your 2000th ride. And I'm thinking, what? <laughs> Who are you? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we're oh, still going along. So if anyone was Good. still curious. Yeah. <laughs> Jen, so. any updates with you in your life? Well, I I feel like I want to give an update. I'm not sure what that would be. Um, my, my home improvement <laughs> projects are continuing along at a furious pace. So... Um, smells like fresh paint in my house, which we love, a good smell. And I, I feel a little peer pressure. And if I had known that Nick was going to accomplish 35 Peloton rides, oh, I might have adopted a new routine at the beginning of the year just to have a comparison. Um, I do the elliptical <laughs> at home, but I, I can't say 35 yeah. times since the beginning of the year. Uh, well, like I said, it's once I get to 100, that's going to be the real test. It's going to be all right. <laughs> I mean, I need, I'm trying to get, uh, I, I seem to email Peloton to say, hey, you know, we're giving you some of us advertising through our podcast. Maybe you could send yes. us some free stuff every, you know, yep. uh, every uh, every quarter or something like Peloton that. Peloton will sponsor us. Right, Absolutely. exactly. <laughs> All right. Yep. right. 
and then Libby needs some swag too. I like that. This is a good. This is a good plan. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so, but uh, anyway, so yeah, so four hundred one k loans. Yeah, four hundred one k loans. So I feel like we should start this off by saying, you can take a loan on your four hundred one k because I don't know that everyone even knows that. Well, yes and no because it depends on your plan. So okay. plans have to allow it. So that's the first thing you do need to figure out if you're even considering this, is to say, does my plan allow loans? Some don't, some do. Um, and that would apply okay. also for 403B plans. So employer-sponsored retirement plans. So we tend to just say 401k, but it, you could also have a 403B that allows loans as well. So okay. I thought what we could do today, Libby, is I was just gonna go through some of the mechanics of it what are the normal parameters? How does it work? Um, I, there's a few certain questions I get a lot that uh, things I would like to clarify for everyone listening. And then Nick is here, obviously, um, even though he is maybe surprised to be invited back, we like his <laughs> big certified financial planner brain. And he has some very good ideas on whether it is a good idea to take it. You know, the, sometimes, you can do something, but it doesn't mean you should do it. So it may be available, it might be easy to do, but is it good for you and your financial health? So we thought start out with some mechanics and then get into the to the meat of the discussion, which is does it make sense for you? Right. Okay. Yeah. And then the the four hundred one k loans they vary plan to plan, but there's a lot of diff different levers that go into a loan and how it's set up, the mechanics of it. And with every plan being different, a loan on a 401k or an employer plan can have 50 different flavors. So, um, so yeah. I yeah. think for today, just knowing kind of the mechanics behind it, I think is gonna be really helpful just to kind of set a foundation. But once we start to get into all the what if scenarios and what can happen, I think it will shed some light on just how people may want to approach this going forward if it's something that's in, that they're considering doing. Yep. Can I just mention the irony behind taking a loan on your money? Yeah, yeah. on your yeah. own money. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. Um, and Libby, that is the best comment because it's so easy to feel like, hey, it's my money. And so I want to get to it when I want something or when something's going on. When financially, it might be a really bad idea. But yeah. it's your money. It feels, you know, so it's very understandable that they're tempting. They're very tempting. So that's why we want to kind of educate people on what what are the pitfalls of it? Where can you get into trouble with them? Um, and there's there's certainly a few ways to do that. So that's a great comment. Perfect, perfectly astute <laughs> comment. I love that. Okay, well, let me jump in with a few facts that you need to know. Okay. And some of these will make loans sound very appealing. For sure. So this is why I said we got to let's talk through the facts and then we'll get into the to the, um, the can you and should you. So you Perfect. can receive your funds very quickly. Um, you can usually request them online with your record keeper. A lot of times they'll transfer the money out of your account directly to your checking account. They don't require a credit check. So, like you said, Libby, it's your money. So they're not going mm -hmm. out to Equifax to see what your credit rating is. So it's a very simple process if loans are allowed in your plan to get that loan. 
the interest is usually relatively low compared to other commercial loans. It's usually prime plus one or 2%. So the interest rate can be very appealing compared to other types of loans. Most 401k loans are, you can spend however you want. You do not have to give a reason for the loan. Now, the exception to that is some plans will set up parameters like a hardship withdrawal. And they'll say, well, you can only get a loan for your plan unless if you have financial need for it. And they might say, here are the specific reasons you can take a loan. And that's up to a plan sponsor to do that. So um, I would say most of the time we see them and they're, they're just open for people to take, but occasionally you'll see a plan sponsor put some more restrictions on that. So as I always say, you have to go back to your record keeper or your benefits and HR team to ask them about those parameters. You can okay. choose how long you want to, to pay it back. Typically, the repayment term is going to be less than five years. The one exception to that may be if you take the loan for a down payment on a home, you may be able to get that for an extended period like a mortgage, like a mortgage would be. So you may be able to take it like 10, 15, 30 years. Um, I'm sure we can talk for days about why that's probably not a really great idea. But typically, it's going to be five years or less, and you can usually pick the term that you want. The limit on taking a loan in your plan is going to be 50% of your vested account balance. Usually, there's a minimum of $1,000, which would mean you'd have to have at least $2,000 in your account because you're, you can only take 50% of it. And then the maximum is usually $50,000. So there are some restrictions on the amount. And again, even though it's your money, the IRS puts these restrictions in place and plan sponsors want restrictions in place to make sure you're not taking money out that you really shouldn't be touching because it's for retirement. And I wanna mention when I say vested account balance, that means the money you put in on your own, your own deferral money is always yours to, to um, be included in this. It's always 100% vested. And vesting just means ownership. Company money, so if you have a match, some type of non-elective uh, non contribution to your plan may be subject to a vesting schedule. And that just means for the first period of time that you work for the employer, you might not be able to take that money with you. It's not vested. Um, it might be five years to vested. It might be three years to fully vested. That will always be spelled out in your plan documents. So your summary plan description, you can call the record keeper you can always see on your statement what, what your vesting is. So we'll say, when they talk about these loan amounts, it's always talking about your vested account balance, okay? You're gonna pay interest on the loan, but you're paying it back to yourself. So that is a question I get all the time, because just like a commercial loan, people assume if they're paying interest, it's going to someone else, but it's actually going into your own account. So that certainly has more appeal sometimes than a commercial loan where you're paying interest to the bank. So the interest is paid back to your own account. It's not tax deductible, like some loans might be, um, a home loan or a student debt loan might have some tax deductibility for the interest. This does not, so does not come into play with your taxes at all. But there may be fees, and I, I would say there's most likely going to be a fee to take the loan, and then sometimes there's an ongoing fee. So a fee might be in the in the um, neighborhood of $100 to start the loan and $50 per year, or it might be um, a certain amount upfront, and that's the only fee. 
that will be disclosed to you when you take the loan. So that will be extremely clear. So there's never going to be a hidden fee. It'll be in yeah. your just documents and your disclosure. So that's important to know. And to Jen's and the point, payment, that, oh, go ahead, Nick. Sorry, those those fees are deducted from your 401k account balance as well. So the kind of like thing to think about there is you might be using your pre-tax or your Roth dollars in your account to pay these fees. So even though you, you're putting some money back into the plan from a loan repayment, you're still going to have to be out some money. It basically, it's kind of almost like the ticket to play. You're paying some fees to get access to your money. So it's like Good paying point. a bank to hold your money. It kind of, it still stings a little bit in that regard. Yep. What yep, is the point. point of even having interest if it's just going to go back into your account? Do you know? That's a, a, a very good philosophical question. Um, <laughs> I, 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 I assume the point was always just to make it more um, feel like a real loan and, and have a little bit of deterrent from people taking it. Otherwise, okay. Um, the other thing that happens is people will take a loan and let's say the payment's going to be $100 and they were contributing $100 deferral, they might stop contributing during that time. So maybe it increases a little bit what's going back into your account. Um, oh, I don't yeah. know, Nick, do you okay. have any historical perspective on that? That's, Libby, you come up with the best questions. I like the way your brain works. <laughs> yeah. I think it's more to provide incentives. So it's, um, I mean, the interest rate's lower than what you'd see like on a credit card typically or yeah. unsecured that so it provides incentive to get it repaid and get it back into the account i think that's the big thing so incentive and deterrent are kind of almost one and the same in that regard um but to Jen's point that's a another key piece of it um you'll see a lot of plan participants will take a loan then i think this is a maybe a detail we should cover as well when you're paying a loan it's deducted from your paycheck automatically so there's no separate bill pay, there's no monthly payment you make, it just comes out of your check automatically. Um, just so like I, your contribution. Right. So what That's people right. will what people will do to offset that hit in their paycheck is they'll lower their 401k contributions. Yeah. So by having some of that interest it allows you to still theoretically be putting a larger amount back into your plan. Um, but I think to, to Jen's comment before, it's probably more incentive or a deterrent based. Um, before these loans can be, we'll talk about more in a little bit, obviously, they can be good for some short term expenses potentially, but there's a lot of, uh, lot of dark side to, to loans and how they can really impact your plan. Not to foreshadow yep. anything, obviously. Yes, <laughs> I love that. And that actually so. leads perfectly into my next point which was going to be to say that they come directly out of your paycheck. But one thing you have to think about with that is your, if you put your money in pre-tax the whole time, so all the money you, you contributed over the years was pre-tax money, you take it out as a loan, and then when those uh, payments come out of your check, they're after-tax dollars. So the after-tax money goes into your account, into your pre-tax account. And so eventually you're going to pay taxes on that again when you withdraw it. So that's something oh. I think a lot of people don't think about with a loan. Um, and that's certainly, you know, nobody wants to pay double taxes on anything. So that's, that to me is uh, a huge factor. I think that doesn't get considered a lot. And yeah, then and two the, other and warnings. 
or let me go into let me just t finish my two other points, Nick, and then we can go into how they all apply because <laughs> I think this starts to get into the meat of making this decision about whether it makes sense or not. You, if you change or lose your job, the loan, unless you repay it in full, the loan will default. Now it's not on your credit, so it's not going to affect your credit score. What is, I don't know what like that, that means. Well, let me explain. So what'll happen is let's okay. say you still owe $2,000 and you leave your job. If you don't repay that amount within a certain amount of time, the money becomes taxable. So next year at tax time, you'd receive a 1099 that said you received $2,000 and you'd have to pay the taxes and penalties on that as you would any other kind of distribution from the plan. So when you think about taking a loan, and you think, oh, great, I'm going to take that for five years and I'm going to get that all paid back. It's possible that, you know, a year from now, your company gets sold and all of a sudden you're out of work and you've got, they call it a deemed distribution. That's the fancy word for it. But all of a sudden you've got this amount out there that you're going to have to come up with the taxes for. And Nick's going to get a little bit into talking about the taxes um, as well. And then the last point about loans too is just the big consideration of, taking a bulk of money out of investment. investment. So you're taking, um, you know, if you're taking $5,000 out today, you're taking that out of the market, you're taking that out of investing, you're gonna start paying it back over time, but you're losing that time value of investing. You're losing that as soon as you take it out. And I think that's probably one of the biggest drawbacks to taking a loan from your retirement plan is what is that gonna look like at retirement age that, you know, it doesn't, may not even seem like a lot of money right now, but it will never have the same value as if you kept it invested. Okay. So Nick, those were my, the things I wanted to make sure people kind of understood. Before Nick talks about how people go about figuring this out, Libby, do you have any questions about the mechanics of it or how people would go about it or, or what that means? No, actually, you answered my question because I was going to ask what happens when you change jobs. Yep. Yeah, so, so let's talk about that a little bit. So to, to Jen's point, when you have a loan on your plan, let's say you take out a loan for 10 grand. So you use that the initial base number, you're paying it back, and then you switch companies. Well, your loan doesn't go with you to your new plan. It's a new 401k plan altogether. So there's a couple of different things that can happen with your loan, and this is part of kind of that decision-making process. If I'm going to take a loan, how, what are all the inner workings of my company plan? So when you leave, a couple things can happen. One, your company can say you have, I've seen it as short as 30 days, um, probably long as 90 days. They can say you have 30 to 90 days to pay back the loan in its entirety. Now, to Jen's point before, you're paying this back with after-tax dollars. So let's say you take out a loan for 10, you've got five left, if you don't have 5000 in cash to pay back, you're going to be on the hook for that. So what happens if you don't pay it back, that outstanding remaining balance in the loan is a deemed distribution, which basically means, as a really easy translation, the IRS is going to view it as you taking a withdrawal from your 401k plan. Now, what that means is if you're under the age of 59 and a half, you're paying federal taxes, you're paying state taxes, then you're also paying a 10% early withdrawal penalty on top of that. So if you are, let's say, 22% tax bracket and you live in Ohio, 
and then you've got a 10% penalty, I mean, that's 37% tax you're going to pay on it. And that's a pretty, again, that's just not to go super deep on the numbers, but there's some pretty significant consequences behind it. So what companies will allow you to do as well is continue repaying it. So what happens in this scenario, let's say a company goes, okay, we don't want to put former employees on the hook with these tax liabilities. Let's cut them a break and say, okay, you can continue to repay your loan on the same remaining term, except now you've got to pay it from your bank account. So what the loan will do is it will re-amortize to a monthly payment with the same payout window, and you're paying it from your bank account. So basically it's the same thing, but in that scenario, you have to keep your 401k plan with your old employer in place. You have to keep it active, you have to keep the money in that plan, you have to keep it funded, uh, just like if you were still an active employee. But I think the, the risk that, and that's probably the biggest risk, just to be really transparent, is if you switch jobs or if you get laid off. I mean, that's those are usually the biggest risks of these loans. I mean, I've had clients previously take out forty to $50,000 in loans, and they're using it for a down payment on a house or for XYZ expense. A lot of people will use loans as kind of a way of doing a, a way to kind of shuffle their debt around. So instead of paying $20,000 in credit card debt, they'll take a $20,000 loan out because the interest rate is lower, which again, may make a lot of sense to do, but they don't consider the risk of well, what happens if I lose my job or I switch jobs. Because if you lose your job, not only are you out of the traditional cash flow, but now you've also got to add in this big tax liability coming in behind it. Yeah. So that's does that make sense on kind of how that, yeah. that initial works? Um, the one thing I will say, though, this is kind of a silver lining. A majority of the time, and again, it'll depend on your situation, so don't take this as blanket advice, but if you switch jobs from a pure tangible money standpoint, it makes sense a lot of the time to let the loan default, The reason, even though you're paying taxes and penalties. Now, the reason why I say that doesn't affect your credit in any way. Again, you borrowed from yourself, you're paying yourself back, so you're not going to ding your own credit. But from a dollar perspective, using that previous scenario of 10000 and you've got 5000 left, if you're faced with a scenario of taking 5000 out of your pocket and paying the loan back, that's 5000 tangible dollars. You're comparing that to taking a tax hit which would be, let's just call it 37%. If you're going to be paying 37% on that 5,000, you are tangibly only paying to the IRS, as opposed to back to yourself, 1,850 bucks. So from a pure money standpoint, and what you're actually going to exert, rather it's paying yourself or paying the IRS, it's technically cheaper to pay the IRS the tax liability, which I know sounds like an oxymoron in itself yeah, uh, to pay the it IRS, thing, but that's typically, I would say, majority of the time what I would usually advise clients to do, uh, especially if it's in a, a job transition or a layoff. I mean, oftentimes it might be your only option, but it's not as, it, it's, even if you have choices on which route to go, it honestly might make the most sense to do it that way. So, okay. but, 
So now, as far as kind of the initial process on should I take a loan or other options and kind of the overall planning piece, I mean, the loan, to our, our comments earlier, can make a lot of sense if you're using it for short-term financing um, or if it's a really small debt. I never advise any client to take out large loans from their 401k plan. To Jen's point before, that's money out of your 401k, so it's out of the market. You're missing it, so you're missing out on all the compounding. There's all the risks of what happens if you leave or separate from your company. Um, and ultimately, I'd rather have a, you know, the clients look at different avenues for that. So if it's twenty or thirty thousand dollars, maybe we look at, and let's say you're using it to buy a car. That was an example I always saw. Well, maybe we look at instead of spending that, maybe we look at the comparison for financing it through just a traditional lender, or maybe we look at buying a cheaper car. Or look just at different avenues. So yeah, I would never think to use my 401k to buy a car. Yeah, the the big incentive was well, I'm paying the interest to myself as opposed to the bank. That that's how how people always looked at it. It's basically it's my money. To Jen's point, I want to keep it and I want to pay myself the interest. Um, So I mean, I, I get the the philosophy behind it, but with where interest rates are currently, I mean, the difference between your 401k loan <laughs> and a car loan is usually yeah. pretty small. So that was, a, but that was an example that I used to see all the time. Um, but it goes back to the old kind of mantra of the loan itself should be, from a 401k plan, should be way down the road of resources to use. So you still typically, you'll have your emergency savings if you're looking to buy a car, hopefully you're saving some towards it or you've looked at other financing options. But the loan itself, it can be very effective for a short-term loan. So let's say you need a quick car repair for a thousand bucks and you've got a bonus that's not going to pay out for a couple months. Maybe you use the loan short-term to do a car repair and then you're paying yourself back uh, with the, or then you'll pay it back once your loan or once your uh, bonus hits. I mean, those short-term financing scenarios can work really well. Uh, the other thing, and Jen, I'll let you comment on this for what you see, but from my experience, most plans will not restrict you from prepaying your loan in full. So if you've come up with the cash, you can just send a lump sum payment in, and then your loan's taken care of. Is that typically what you see? Yeah, you do usually see um, that you're allowed to repay um, in whole, usually always, sometimes if you want to pay back a portion that's larger than your payment, there's some restrictions on that. Like it right. has to be a multiple of the payment amounts, or you can only do it at a certain time of the year. Another good point about that too is they do, some of the plans really restrict whether you can take more than one. Um, plans used to let people, I think, a little more generously take multiple loans. And a lot of plans I feel like are going more toward, let's just allow one so that if something comes up, it's available, but it doesn't become a habit. And then they'll also restrict, sometimes maybe you can only take one per calendar year. So if you did something like what Nick said, which there may be a a point where you need a short-term bit of cash and it makes sense to take it, be aware that maybe you won't be able to do that again, which is good because then I think it it keeps that habit forming from happening. I feel like it's an easy thing to slip into because I will see 
people who take them tend to be comfortable taking multiple or taking them again. Um, some plans will let you refinance one with the other. So you can only have one yeah. outstanding, but you can pay back the first one with the second one and roll it all together. And that's, I think it's very, it becomes comfortable for people. And I also think sometimes as your balance grows, it becomes even more a little comfortable because you don't feel like it's that much of a difference. You know, well, I've got, mm -hmm. I've got a good amount saved. And I hear people say, well, I've got a good amount saved and it's not a very big loan, but it's, it's the habit and it's the really considering whether you need that money. I, cause I've heard people yeah. say, I'm taking it out to finance my daughter's wedding. Um, you know, things that you think, wow, I don't think that's what your retirement assets were for, you know, so mm -hmm. could that be done a different way? Um, and then Nick, here's one I have for you that, that I've heard a couple different ways of looking at this. What do you think? And the one I hear a lot, a lot is down payment on a home because it's hard to save outside of the plan and people, you know, maybe you get into your early to mid thirties and you've got a good amount saved. And you think, hey, I'm going to divert some of that into a different investment. Tell us what, how, how would you look at that and how would you make that decision? So I am 100% anti using loans for a home purchase. Um, so, and I'll, I'll, I'll shed some light on this too. I mean, we talked about before, usually your loan you're looking at is usually like a five year max. With certain 401k plans, they'll allow you to take out a loan if you're using it for a home. So typically you have to show them like a purchase agreement. There's some paperwork that comes behind it to verify you're using it for that uh, reason, but then you can extend your term. I mean, back in my previous life when I worked for another firm uh, in town that handled a lot of 401k plans, um, some of these uh, loans for homes would have terms of 30 years. So you could basically match your loan to your actual mortgage. So the way I looked at it in that scenario, it's basically you're giving yourself a second mortgage, which I didn't like doing. The other thing, if it's that extended out, just like a traditional mortgage, you're really chipping away slowly at that amount. So even if you had a loan for 10 or 15 years and you took out to the full 50,000, you still have $25,000 left. So it's still a pretty significant overhead uh, on your uh, overall retirement. And just, a, a, I almost look at loans sometimes with that magnitude is almost like a second debt. So I'm not the biggest fan of doing it. Um, I've seen people use those, I'll tell you where I am okay with it. When people use it as a bridge loan, so what I mean by a bridge loan is let's say they have a home they're in right now and they're buying a new home. And to obtain financing to purchase a second home, they need to come up with a little bit more of a down payment, but they're in transition of selling their house. So what I've had clients do is they'll take a loan from their 401k for 50000 and they'll do the max term, you know, the whole nine yards, and they've used that payment to go towards the down payment of their new home. They then sell their prior home and they use the proceeds to pay back that $50,000 loan really quick. So it's basically a way of creating bridge financing if you're in between homes. But it goes back to that same mindset of a very short term window. It's not something that you're going to extend yeah. out for 30 plus years. So, so that can work. Um, but I, I'm not a fan of using it for a home that just, again, I, I don't like having the overhead piece behind it. Um, and, 
I mean, I, I forget the quote is now, but let's say you're in your like your late 20s, early 30s. Usually, you'll still switch jobs about three or four times before you retire. So if you're 30 and you're taking out a 30-year loan, probably probably good good chance you're looking at some of these uh, deemed distribution issues of potentially taking a tax hit. And it's if yeah. it's forty-five thousand dollars, I guess I didn't even mention that before. Not only are you paying your know, federal and state taxes and a 10% penalty on that portion, but that money also gets added on top of your income for that year. So if you're making yeah. Say sixty thousand, you just jumped all the way up to a hundred thousand, and that means you jumped a new bracket as well on those new dollars. So, I'm not a, really a big fan of doing it that way. And this ties into, I think we kind of, I want to make sure we bring this up too for loans from the calculation perspective. So, ninety, I would say probably ninety percent of the time, the calculation is usually half of your vested balance up to fifty thousand. That's kind of the the benchmark for the majority of loans you're going to see. But the IRS also does have a second calculation on how much money you can take on a loan. And calculation, the way it's phrased by the IRS, is phrased poorly. So I'll, I'll read the initial phrasing, and then I'll try to translate it. So the calculation for a loan is it's the lesser of these two calculations. First, it's half of your vested balance up to 50000 or it's $50,000 minus your highest outstanding loan balance within the last 12 months. So on that second portion, basically what that means is when you're, let's say you're applying for a loan, what your 401k record keeper will do or your employer plan will do is they'll look back over a rolling 12 months, see whatever the highest outstanding loan balance you had was, and deduct that from 50000 and then that's the answer for that second calculation. So I'll, I'll give you, a, this is more easier to do with an example. So let's go back to that bridge loan scenario. Let's say plan participant has $100,000 in their plan. Under that first calculation, you can borrow half of your vested balance, which would be 50000 which is the cap. So we're golden, we're good, that's what we can take. Let's say they take out the 50000 and they go through the bridge loan process for their home, and they pay it back within a month. So $50,000 back in the plan, plan balance is up to, you know, and, let's call 105000 just for number's sake, just with some market growth. Well, let's say that homeowner then comes back three weeks later and says, all right, I've got the new house, time for us to put in the pool we always wanted. I've done the contracting, <laughs> I've looked at everything, I'm going to take out another $50,000. i have got a big bonus at the end of the year that I'll be able to pay this back with. Well, what happens in this scenario, they go through the loan process, the record keeper and the 401k plan will look back and say, okay, well, within the last 12 months, your highest outstanding balance was $50,000 at one point. So in that second calculation, $50,000 minus $50,000 gets you to zero. So basically, you're not eligible to take out a new loan in that scenario for basically 12 months. Uh, and so you, or I guess in that scenario, there's probably a couple of payments. So you're probably not really eligible for a loan until probably basically a calendar year or a rolling 12 months, excuse me, from when you've paid that off. 
So to Jen's point, a lot of plans start putting some stipulations on how many you can take out because think about it, if it was a free-for-all, let's say you can take out six or seven loans at a time, that calculation, one, becomes an administrative nightmare, but two, it can really put people in a really bad situation of not really knowing how much they can tap into if they need to. But, yeah. that, but that second calculation is really detrimental for people that take out these larger loans because if once, I almost kind of look at it as, um, it's not not addicting, but it's something like, oh, I've done it once and I paid it back, no harm, no foul. What if I just do it again? And it's it's almost kind of it's very attractive way of yeah. getting it now. So, but that that second calculation can really backfire on people, um, especially when I've seen people trying to. Then I've seen people use it for rental properties, and that's it was always a nightmare in the sense of oh now I've got a new rental I want and oh I go through financing, oh, I've already made a pledge and I'm going to buy the house, oh, now I'm in contract breach, and that becomes just another fiasco to work through. So uh, I know it's a really long-winded answer, but that second part of that loan calculation can be very, very impactful if you're taking out significantly large loans like that. So Does I think that all that's make good to know. It does, and I think the takeaway from that, Nick, is – because this is a retirement plan, it's, <laughs> right. yeah, you're borrowing from yourself, but there's a lot of restrictions. So don't make any assumptions. Don't right. assume, hey, I took one before, this will work great the second time. Don't assume if you worked for one employer and you went to the next, they even have them available. You know, right. just d don't ever make an assumption that you've got access to money that you may not have access to. So yeah. um, check the rules first. And I always say check with your benefits manager or you can call your record keeper. I will say one one thing some record keepers do now, which I really like, is if you go into their app or online to your account to take a loan, it will tell you what the consequences are right there. It'll say, right. um, by taking, and I'm going to throw this number out there, and I don't know if this number makes sense, so I'm just going to, we're going to, disclaimer here, this might not make sense, but it will say, hey, if you take $7,000 out today, that could mean $150 less per month in retirement. So it'll actually put a number on it, which I think is helpful because you think yeah. helpful. there's a there's an, a, an, a tangible impact down the road of that money that's very hard for most people to see, it, you know, yeah. especially the younger you are. It just seems like so far away that you think, oh, this isn't going to make, what's the difference? Come on. Right. <laughs> um, but there yeah. You do have to put it in a, in a kind of monthly, I don't know what I'm trying to say. You do need to put it in like a monthly scenario to really understand yep. the impact. Because even, um, I just had a conversation with Jen on my own 401k and she took a look at like the amount of money that I have in there and she was like, oh, you're doing good for your age. And I was like, cool, I would have had no idea <laughs> just because it's like an arbitrary number in my in my world it just feels like this random number that i have no idea if it's even like good or not right so that that is cool to me too that they're putting it into like this is how much less money you could have a month in retirement because that's how yeah. we live we live on most people live on a monthly or bi-weekly however you're paid budget yeah Good point. Right. 
Good point. Yeah, and, then, and I always tell people to, yeah. oh, sorry, Nick. Uh, so, no, I, I was going to say the one. Go ahead, Jen, sorry. <laughs> I, I was going to say, I always tell people, too, when you're figuring out that, like, I need to contribute 10% so I can retire at 65 or 67, you, the assumption there is that you're going to be able to contribute that 10% until you're 67, that there's no breaks in it, that there's no job losses, yeah. that the match you're kind of depending on is going to continue. So that's another time where you might look at your balance and think, I'm doing great. I'm, I'm ahead of things. And so it can't hurt a bit if I take some out in a loan because, wow, I'm already ahead. But, you know, five years down the road, if your company goes bankrupt, and you're out of work for a year, your whole financial picture could really change. And so it's it's hard sometimes, I think, to, when things are going well, we always want to assume they're going to continue to go well. Hey, I'm doing a yeah. great job here. Everything's in my favor. Right. Um, but, you know, things just happen. So just, just a word yeah. of caution when you're tempted. Right. And what I was going to say before is to Jen's point, definitely don't be afraid to if you're online, you're going through your app as far as like the loan pros and cons, feel free to actually call the record keeper and walk through the loan guidelines. I will say, and I'll, I'll go ahead on name drop. So Fidelity Investments, shout out to Fidelity. That's uh, an old stopping ground of mine. That is the people that you talk to over the phone there go through an immense training for two or three weeks on just the loan process. It's something that is very complicated and it varies plan to plan. So if you're online and the numbers don't make sense or you wanna know more about the inner work, feel free to give them a call. They will walk you through everything you need to know, all the inner workings of it. And that's common with any record keeper out there. Usually if you're calling yeah. into a Power or Schwab or wherever your 401k plan is, they should be able to walk you through the intricate details of the plan. The other thing is, well, if you have a financial planner advisor, don't be afraid to ask them either, uh, because it's something that definitely will impact your wealth plan, it'll impact your strategy, um, it'll impact just the, the way of approaching things. So if you're using it for debt, does this free up cash somewhere else, or well, what is the long-term impact? So. Definitely use both of those resources, but I don't want people to get shy about calling their record keeper for loans. because That's something that yeah. most providers give a lot of immense training on. It's, it can be pretty common on plans. And I tell people, too, I love that advice because when I meet with participants, I always tell them, don't be afraid to call, even if you're not, you don't know how to put your question into words. You know, yep. you might, like, something's not ringing correctly, and you're like, ah, I can't yeah. call. I don't even know what this means, or I don't know how to say this. They will figure out what you're trying to get to like they're telepathic because they deal with it every day. <laughs> They'll know right. when you're fumbling for a word. They'll be able to help you fill that in and put you at ease to understand. So great resource. And I feel, I think the record keepers do a really outstanding job of training those people who answer the phone. To, they know all about your plan, they know all the laws, they know the ins and outs, and, and they'll be able to walk you through things and make you feel good about it. Right. Help you come up with yeah. those fancy vocabulary words that you maybe don't have right now, but they'll, they'll know right. what you mean. And they've seen every scenario. So it's kind of it's like farmer's insurance does those commercials where yeah. it's just all these Same thing with loans and withdrawals. I mean, I, I've seen a ton. Um, 
man, I can tell you, people that I worked with previously, even at Fidelity, same thing. They've seen a loan for anything you can imagine. <laughs> so yep. don't be embarrassed or shy to talk to them about what you're thinking or the social thought process. Yep. Um, they're there to help. That's what they're there for. Yeah, and they don't. They really don't care. There's no. Yeah, they don't care. They don't <laughs> yeah. care. It's just a. It's just a part of their business to explain things to people and help them wherever they are. So, they don't be shy. Yeah. Well, thank you guys. I thought that this was really helpful. I before working at Haran, I should say, I had no idea that taking a loan was even an option. Now I know that it might not be. So you need to confirm that. <laughs> um, but um, I thought that this was helpful. All of the, I definitely feel deterred from taking a loan on my 401k. I hope that other people do too. Um, but I also think if you need, if you need to, just make sure, I think the message is, and correct me if I'm wrong, just make sure you're getting advice from someone who knows what they're doing. Um, to make sure that you don't have a ton of fees or taxes that you have to pay in the future. Yep. Correct. Yep. Yes. I think you summed it up very nicely. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you guys. Um, sad to be wrapping up the 401k retirement planning um, sessions for this year because I love having you guys on the podcast. Thank but thank you. you guys so much for sharing your expertise. Um, I learned a lot, and I think our listeners will, too. Well, good, and thank you for having us, Libby. We love, obviously, talking about it. And then I think that maybe you could do a special guest appearance with Nick when he hits 100 on the Peloton. <laughs> yes. I think you're, yes. you're, right. the audience deserves to know. I know. <laughs> yes, I'm pretty that sure is worthy, podcast-worthy. Yeah. There's got there's probably a betting line somewhere out there in Vegas on if Nick Rowan will get to 100 rides. <laughs> put some money I'll put down my on. money on you. I think you're determined. There we go. <laughs> I would too. There we go. Oh. Perfect. All right. All right. Well, thank you again. Okay. Thank you both. It was great.